Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we say that. But do we actually know and do we actually walk that out that there is absolutely no condemnation? There's no judgment, there's no, no pr- pronouncement of a judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus. We also know that the word righteousness uh, in the Greek comes from a word that means uh, to conform to a standard. And uh, we know that God's standard is perfection. Now, we know none of us can reach perfection on our own. Uh, None of us are perfect in and of ourselves, so we need a whole lot of work uh, uh, to become perfect. But it's an instant work. It's not a progressive work. It is an instant work. It's something that happens the moment we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Today we're going to go, I think, in just uh, some wonderfully written scriptures by the Apostle Paul as he addresses righteousness, as he does in many chapters of the Bible. He addresses it in Romans, he addresses it in in, um, Ephesians and Galatians, and really the whole, all of the letters he he writes, he writes it from a standpoint of our position in Christ. And um, and it's it's quite unfortunate, I think, that in the body of Christ today, uh, many of us know all the things to do and not to do, but very few of us know who we are in Christ. Now, we can give you uh, a litany of, of uh, and, and go down categorically. These are the things you cannot do. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And these are the things you can do. But the Bible says none of those things give life. Those things don't give life. They, 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 they don't do anything for us as far as life is concerned. Now, are they wrong to do? No. But they're not life-giving. They come out of our lives. They don't add life to us. Okay? So we'll get to understand that a little better as we get into these scriptures. All right. So um, I need you to look at, at your scriptures. If you're watching us online, I need you to grab the word and look at these scriptures. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation of the Bible. And um, so we're going to go and read quite a bit of scripture this morning. Uh, but I think you'll understand why once we get into it. So let's start with First Corinthians, excuse me, Galatians chapter 2, and we'll start at verse 11. <clears throat> it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of them all, or in front of all of the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish law and are living like a Gentile, 
why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. So to kind of set this up, uh, Peter had been preaching the message of the good news of the gospel. And when he was in the context of, of Gentile people, people that they would call sinners, he was letting them know that God, you're reconciled to God. God loves you. Come back to God. He's not, in call, uh, he's not imputing your sins against you. Come back to God. But then when some, some of his Jewish people came around him, he, he acquiesced back over to here and began to preach the law again. He began to act like there was some, some that you had to be circumcised. You had to do some stuff. And so he, um, he uh, violated uh, the word of God by succumbing to social pressure. And, and to be quite honest with you, I think that happens a whole lot. Uh, even today in churches uh, where people are more regarded by their race, uh, and of course I don't believe in races, plural, but, but, but we understand what we mean by that. They, they, they are more conscious of their race and how what they might say will impact uh, their constituency, the people that are watching them, than they are about the gospel. And that's across the board. That's not a white thing or a black thing. That's across the board. People look out and say, I can say this, but I can't say that. I'd like to say that, but I might get in some trouble. Matter of fact, not only might I get in trouble, I might just get kicked out of my church if I say this. Matter of fact, my wife showed me a story um, this weekend. We were coming back uh, or this past Friday, and there was a Mississippi pastor, a, a white pastor in Mississippi, who began to say, you know what, we need to make a stand on injustice. We need to speak out on injustice to his church. And you know what they did? Or the, the left foot. They kicked him out. They kicked him out of his church. He was speaking. He took a stand. He, he said, this is what the gospel says. This is about the gospel. And when he did that, um, they voted him slam out of his church. I mean, like, slam out, like gone. Um, and, 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 and what it said to me, I'm so proud of that pastor. I'm so proud that he was willing to risk employment for the sake of the gospel. I wonder how many others are out there that are willing to do the same. And, I'm, I'm, and when you hear me, I'm talking about, I'm not putting a racial determinant on there as to whether it should be white or black. I'm talking about many people acquiesce to their color as opposed to the gospel. And so they, they, they forego the gospel. They, they don't allow the gospel to do what the gospel can do because they're so, so uh, given to uh, their race as opposed to ministering the Word of God. And sometimes you'll have the, 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 the not, I like this, this, to me this makes sense, is that a person is ready for surgery, the doctor is there, but the doctor never pulls out the knife to do the cut. You, you understand, right? 
So they never, they never cut to, to do whatever is needed so that their congregations can be made whole. That they can be, to feel right. You know, sometimes we, 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 we tout certain uh, people um, and we give them platforms when all they are are divisive. They're not preaching the gospel. I heard a minister just recently, I won't call his name, but he ministered on uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, that, uh, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked things in high places. And he went on to say nothing about the principalities and the powers and the wicked things in high places. He made it about race as opposed to the, the, the undercurrent, which is demonic. And I'm like, you just set it back. This is, this is not a platform for us to preach our own agenda. This is a platform to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is what this platform is for, nothing else. It's not a platform to tout and to share and to, to create division. It is a platform to say, thus saith the Lord. And if it hits you in certain ways, Peter, like Paul said, he opposed him to his face amongst other people. Because Peter wasn't preaching the gospel. Preacher, he had gotten over to sides. But when we preach the wholeness of the gospel, it's pure in its form. It, it divides bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It hits. It hurts. It does hurt, doesn't it? Doesn't it hurt sometimes? I mean, I'm ministering it and it hurts. But it should. It should go into us and penetrate into our souls. And it should carve out and move and, and juggle and, and cut some things that are ingrained in us and have been ingrained in us for many, many years. And so here's what Peter is doing in this particular situation. It says, but... <clears throat> There we go, here we go, here we go. Okay, as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, we, don't we understand that? Don't, don't we know that, how people are led away? See, see and I, and I want to say this to pastors, ministers out there, myself included. Listen here, if you don't cut, your people won't change. If you, if you don't say and go to the sore spots and speak to your congregations in a way that they get the message, like for real, real, they get the message, then what you have done is you have allowed them to continue in their ingrained thinking and thinking they're right. The Bible says if there, a thought comes out and it is not um, challenged by another thought, then they keep on thinking the way they've been thinking. And so it's important for you, mighty men of God, mighty women of God, who have this privilege, this honor to stand before people and minister the word of God, that you speak the whole truth of the gospel and nothing less. Because if you do, your congregants will leave there thinking that he just gave us a high five to keep on acting and thinking the way we've been thinking for 400 years. You can't do that. You've got to preach the gospel. I challenge you. Listen, I challenge you. If all of us will stiffen our spines, then, then, then the people will have to turn. But if you don't stiffen your spine and speak, then what will happen is they'll keep on for the next 100 and 200 years. It'll still be the same. As a result, the Jewish believers, all right, here we go. 
When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jewish by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, traditions? You and I are Jews by birth. Now listen to this distinction he makes. He says, you and I are Jews by birth. He says, not sinners like the Gentiles. In other words, they made a distinction that we're Jewish. We're not sinners. We're Jewish. We're not sinners. We're Jewish. That's what they were saying. We got certain rights and privileges because we are the Jews. Yet we know, keep on reading, yet we know that a person is made right or justified, justification, justified, just as if I'd never sinned, made right, made the righteousness of God, made God's perfection made God's standard by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we've been talking about, right? That we've been made right by one thing and one thing only, and that is by faith in Jesus Christ. Not, obeying the, not by obeying the law. And we have believed Christ Jesus so that we might be made right or justified with God because of our faith in Christ. How are we made right with God? Because of our faith in Christ, right? How are we made right with God? Because of our faith in Christ. Because our faith in Christ and because I go to first whatever or second whatever or the holy Shireen Sharantran? No, 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 no. It says because of our faith in Christ. So that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right or justified with God by obeying the law. Is that not simple or what? It says, no one, no one will be made right with God by obeying the law, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in, Jesus, in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. Think about that for a minute. It says, how do we become a sinner? If we rebuild the system that was torn down. That means that, that we start out, every one of us, I don't care who you are or I am or anyone else, we were wretched before Jesus Christ. Like to the nth degree, wretched. But when we came to Christ, what did God do immediately? He gave us a new spirit. He, gave, he made us born Again, a new creation, something that has not existed before. We are the new creations of God. We are born again, born from above. And he says, that's how we start out. Now, he wants us to continue in that vein, realizing there's nothing that we did have done that we, did have, that we didn't receive and didn't have something to do with. We didn't do it. All we did was believe. So he wants us to continue steadfast in that vein for the rest of our lives so that we don't start imposing our standards or the, the, the grace that God has given us to live a certain way. We begin to impose those, that thing that we receive by grace and begin to impose it on other people as a way of, of like, do you match up? Do, do, you, are you, do you meet the standards? Look what I do. I go to church. 
I spend two hours in prayer every day. I read my Bible. I serve on the soup line, the soup kitchen. I, 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 the I, I to the I to the I. I do all those things. And what God is saying, no, you haven't done anything. I have done it all. And what we do when we get into that vein is we begin to look at everyone else through the lens of I. Like, like, do you match up? Do you, do you, are you meeting the standard? And not realizing we didn't meet the standard ourselves. Someone has done it for us. So, for when you tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So, so when I keep, tried to keep the law, it condemned me. I, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has, has, what is has? Is that present tense, past tense? Has is past tense, right? It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self has been, has been. You and I are has-beens. <laughs> We're has-beens. Much as you hate to think of that. <laughs> I can't see if he's smiling or mad at me. But all of our, our has-beens. George is a has-been. Kim is a has-been. Eric is a has-been. We're all has-beens, and that's a good thing. My old self has been crucified with Christ, past tense. It is no longer I who live. Well, who's living then? But Christ. But Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right or justify us with God, then there, would ha was, there, then there was no need for, for Christ to die. Now, let's go back to that, that part right there. It says, um, who, uh, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me who loved me and gave himself for me, but Christ lives in me. Let's look at those words. But Christ lives in me. He gave himself for me. So I submit to you, and it'll be even clearer as we move on, is that you no longer live anymore, but Christ now lives in you. So whenever God sees you, he doesn't see you anymore. You ceased to exist when Christ was crucified, and now God has made a new love creature for himself. We are love, God's love creation in Christ, perfected without sin, purely adorable to God. Isn't that good to know that God adores us and he just looks at us and gloats over us. When God said to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am what? Well pleased, right? He said, I'm well. Guess what? That's what he tells us every single day. If you'll listen, you'll hear him say this. When you're praying, when you're spending time with him, he'll say, 
You're my child. I'm well pleased with you. And that would change everything about our prayer time. Most of us don't receive that because it's kind of hard to hear that God is well pleased. God is well pleased with us. God is proud of us. God adores us. Sometimes people don't even like to say that uh, even in Christian circles because they think it, it, it is touting self. There's no way I'm going to tout self. Self is dead. Self was crucified. I, I, I am now looking at, at my own self, my own life through the lens of Christ now. And so the credit I give him for adoring me is the credit I would give him to adore Christ. That's why I say that. So it's not this, this message where, you know, sometimes people say all, the, all that we do now in the gospel, some people would say is just self-indulging, uh, self-promoting, self. No, I'm not promoting self. I'm promoting Christ. I, I, I don't want to promote. I don't want anything that the self had to offer. I'm promoting Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who is now the, 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 the difference maker. He's the one that we can look at and say, he's the reason why I exist. He's my reason why. Now, it gets so good here. Hold your seats. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you or who has bewitched you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if it had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you one, this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Now, it says, one thing it says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And then the next one it says, did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the law or doing works? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit by believing in the message you heard of Christ? The Holy Spirit, 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 Holy Spirit are one and the same. Can we agree with that? And he says, did you receive the Spirit or did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, now, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? When Jesus left the earth, what did he say? He said, I will send you what? A comforter, another helper, an allos, someone with, who will be just like me, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. That's what he said in John chapter 15. He says, he will, he will be with you, and he will be in you. He will be with you, and he will be in you. He will be with you, and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit who we receive by faith, is now with us and in us. He's living in these houses, right? Where's the Holy Spirit at? He's living in a black house, a white house, a yellow house, a green house, a polka dotted house, all kind of house. He's living in these temples that we have given him to live in. And, and he is the Holy Spirit of God. He is Jesus manifested now in multiple ways in our lives through the Holy Spirit living in each one of us. That's how God now sees us, that he sees us in that vein, that we, when he sees you and I, he sees a Christ on the inside of each one of us. So when it says here, um, you received Christ, the Spirit because you believed the message you heard from Christ, you foolish, how foolish can you be? 
After starting the new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it is not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you, so all who put their faith in Christ shall share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all of the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Now, how many of you would like to trade in the life for the law? The life is going to give you complete and total exemption from the law. The law is going to subject you to the curse. Which one do you want? You want the life, right? Right? Can we agree on that? Again, listen. You can either live by the Ten Commandments, or really the 666 commandments, or you can live by the life. The life of God in you. Why does God say that? Because he can trust you because he trusts his son who lives on the inside of you. I, I don't need to put a law on you because law are for people who don't have the nature to keep it. But I don't, you don't need a law because you have the nature to do right. Does that make sense? It says God would... <clears throat> God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing of Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right or justified with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in Scripture, Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that he 
so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Now here we go. Just as no one <clears throat> can set aside or mend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and to his, everybody say it, his child. God gave the blessing to Abraham and to his child. Now, what, what am I attempting to do? The whole attempt is, through the scriptures, is to get you to, to disown yourself, your old self, and begin to see yourself always in Christ. That's, that's the attempt. That's what Paul is trying to do is to get us to, to, to dismiss the old life and say that we are now new creations in Christ all the time. Not some of the time, not when I do good, but not when I don't do good. But all the time that I'm a new creation in Christ. Because you see, if we don't consistently identify with who we are in Christ, then we'll never ever walk in the authority that God has given us to walk in. We'll, we'll never actually conform to do good things that are good because they're just good because we'll always be judging ourselves relative to good and bad and the nature of God will never come out on us. And so we have to go through a literal, a literal uh, reprogramming. A literal, uh, a literal changing of everything that we've probably thought in our lives was right. Even, get this, even, even relating to yourself as a black person or a white person or a red person or a yellow person or a green person, if that is the way you most identify yourself, then you're outside of the complete and total will of God. And therein is why we have this craziness going on in our world today. Is because we have sought to put one above the other. We have sought to be um, this that is in the realm of, of the carnal, fleshly part as opposed to what God, does God say about us. At the very end of this chapter, and before I even get there, it tells us, it says, there is neither Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, male nor female in Christ. Now, we all know that there are, we all know that those, all those exist, but it's saying, do not have your identity solely in the color of your skin. Because of that, that's why Peter had an issue. That's why Paul had to come and say, Peter, I withstood you to your face. I opposed you publicly because you acted like this when you should have been acting like that. And if more people would do that, if more people would stand up and say, no, no, here, let's get something straight. Listen, I'm for the cause of justice. I'm for the cause of, you know, I don't want anyone to be done wrong. 
But let's make it very clear here. All my eggs are not in one basket. Actually, all my eggs are in one basket. And that is in the basket of Christ. That's where my eggs are. Every last one of them are in that basket. Does that mean that I disown, have nothing to do with people who look like me? No. It means that I even fight harder. Because I don't want a person to stay in a place that they're never going to get out of. As long as it becomes about a race, then they'll never ever get out of the ditch. It will never be changed. It has not the power to do so. If the law could give life, then all of us would be changed. But the law, policies, regulations, rules can never ever give life. Laws changed many years ago. Rules changed many years ago. Just because uh, um, um, water fountains were changed to, to have equal access and anybody could use them, whether you're black or white, it didn't change the hearts of people. Are you all understanding me? Laws cannot give life. That's why we need to leverage, especially the men and the women of God who are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to do what Paul did to Peter. Come up higher, man. You, you need to see yourself as not just this or not just that. You need to see yourself as a man of God, a woman of God who has been called to preach the gospel. First and foremost, and if you lose half your members by doing it, you did yourself a favor. You're going to grow now. You got all that waste out of the way. Now you can thrive. Now you can get moving. There's no way in the world that if the gospel, the pure gospel has been preached in all churches, black and white, yellow and red, no matter what the case may be, that you would have this kind of mess going on in the world today. It's just, it just would not happen. If there was enough surgical removals going on that people were being dealt with in their true, in, in their minds, and in the ingrained stuff that's going on in their mind, there is absolutely no way that it can continue on. So I challenge, I challenge myself, I challenge others. Man, go there, go there, go there, go there. Your people need you to go there. Some of them are hiding out in church. Hiding out. Be given permission. You know, <laughs> I saw something that I'm like, you got to be crazy. I saw the, the opening of a, of, a, of a protest, and I'm not going to say where it was at, but it started out in prayer. I'm like, how in the world? God's got to be like, don't put my name in this. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm going to be out here. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not a part of this. I'm not a part of division. I'm not a part of this kind of mess that is going on here. I'm not a part of it. 
I want, I want, let me, can I tell y'all something real quick? Can I tell y'all something real quick? God is not American. He's not. He's not patriotic. He doesn't, he doesn't cares nothing about the red, white, and blue. He, he's not, and, 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 and listen, listen here. He's not red, black, and green either. He, he stands apart. His righteousness is above all of that. He's concerned with man coming back to him. We've been given the ministry of reconciling, reconciliation. This is so far against God, anything that is divisive. Now, what he will say this, he says, if you, if, if when I come, though, I come to cause divisions amongst brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. I, I, I do come to cause division because if you can't get on my team, if you don't want to be a part of my team, I come to cause division in that way. So that's why I'm saying to us, uh, us ministers, cause a little division in your church. All right. <laughs> No, no, better not say this. Let me let me move on here. Let's let's um, let's move on. Everybody say, move on, Pastor. <laughs> Listen to this. God, Jesus, God was has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from every day. Just as no one can get set. Can set aside or mend irrevocable agreement. So it is in this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and to his seed, his child. Well, I thought he had more than one child. Does God not have more than one child? Listen here. It says, and notice that the scripture doesn't say it's not confused. It doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. So that, of course, means Christ. <laughs> Some would have us believe that God has children and some of them are step. Yeah, some, some, some would have us believe that God's, God's got children, children plural. And some of them, they're just not quite children, children, they, they, but we're going to give them some, some status like stepchildren. No, he's got one child. God's only got one child. And when we receive Jesus Christ, guess what happens to us? We all get into the one child. We all get into the one child. We're all in that one child. And who is that child? Christ. Jesus is the one child. So when God is looking out and he's looking out around, he's not, he's not dealing with 100,000, 2 million, 500 million. No, he's dealing with the one child. 
And because we're in the one child, we've been perfected forever because of the one child. That's all he sees is the one child. And so we need to relate to one another and relate to God through the sense of of just one child. There's just one child. There's not multiple children. God only has one child. And every single person who believes in Jesus Christ comes into the one child. There are not some that have a, have a more than the other. There are not some that are, are more sophisticated, more intellectual, more smarter, and, and then the other ones are just not as good. No, there's just one child. There's no cute works out there. Oh, that's so cute. They're just so, what they're doing over there, they're just a cute. No, no, God has one child. And we in there. Isn't that better? Isn't that better than having God is just so so far beyond us? Because he knew he knew he knew that if I made it more than one child, these folk would be acting crazy, wouldn't he? I mean, he he said, "I'm just gonna break. I'm gonna break everybody one because if he didn't, if he didn't." then all of us would be coming to God because, hey, um, you know, I'm this or, or I'm that or I'm something else. He said, no, you're all going to be Christ. Oh, you ain't coming at all. That's how he just streamlines it all, just trims it all down. Let's see if we can get to the end of this. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement of God made Abraham could not be canceled in 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it could, would not be resulting in the accepting, uh, of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Amen, right? So, so he says, only, only until the law of the child who was promised, God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, everybody say now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. For instance, if a husband and a wife can handle their business on their own, they don't need to bring in an attorney. You know, if they're having a falling out, you know, and they just can't get along, and they just, you know, then they don't, if they can handle their business on their own, they don't need to bring in a mediator, an attorney. But many times, they got to bring in the attorney, right? Because they can't sit down together and do business together. So they kind of bring in that attorney to kind of, you know, fix it up and all that kind of stuff. Well, in this situation here, and that may not have been the best analogy, but I think you'll get it. God, when dealing with Moses, 
Moses was the mediator between all of God's people. But when God chose to deal with Abraham, he just dealt directly with Abraham because it didn't include none of us as far as the dealings were concerned. We didn't make it and we can't break it. That makes sense? We didn't make the covenant and we can't break the covenant. All we can be is included into the covenant. Think about that for a minute. Because half of us live our lives thinking that we go back and forth breaking the covenant, making the covenant, breaking the Did I do it? Did I didn't do it? Did it? I don't know. And then we live our lives just like that. I must be out with God. I must be out with God. You're never out with God. You may be out of fellowship with God. And that's why God says, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins. He faithful and true to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and restore you back into fellowship. That's for fellowship. All of us who are in relationship have times where we have to ask for forgiveness of one another, right? To get back into what? Fellowship. Not relationship, but fellowship. And so, as we finish up here, it says, Who did, uh, did not use a mediator when he gave his promises to Abraham? Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But it can't. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the guard of the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could not can be made right with God through faith. And now that, we, that, that the way... Now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian because we have a new heart now. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have now put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Everybody say amen. Amen. Slave or free, amen. Male or female, amen. White or black. Y'all hear that? There's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, white nor black. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. <laughs> That's the good news, people. That, that is the good news, that if we will embrace that good news, it wouldn't take all forever to fix this thing that we're dealing with right now. It would just, just, just in, in our world, just in the, in the church, if the church would strictly say, you know what, there's no difference in Christ Jesus. There's no difference in anyone. And really, I'm talking about really, really root that thing out of your church. Root it out. 
root that spirit of division out. Just preach the gospel and let them get mad at you. Let them get upset with you. Let them turn red if they want to. But you preach the gospel. Take that knife and carve into their souls with it and grab that stuff and clean it out. In every church, I don't care if you're black, you know, Sometimes we think it was just about, you know, no, there, there, there is prejudices in black churches as well. There, there's, there's, there's prejudices in, in all churches because of the spirit of division. That's why God says, let me unite you around Christ. Unite us around Christ. Lest none of us tolerate it. None of us. And if we do, we'll shape up things. If there's a rally and there's prayer, it'll be a prayer inviting people to be a part of, not a part of to exclude others. God's word is the answer. God's word is the answer. Amen? Or oh me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you so much for your love for each one of us and that you have this wonderful plan for us that, that takes us out of lives of separation and alienation and bring us into the oneness that is in Christ Jesus. I pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ out there, those who, who are speaking the gospel, preaching the gospel right now, I pray, Father, that they would do as Paul did, that he would oppose those who are not, who are not having the right mind, who are, who are more sensitive to their outward man than they are their inward man. And I pray, Father, that all of us would wax bold and stronger and, and be committed to unity in Christ Jesus and show the world what it looks like to be unified. And I thank you, Father, that you've given us these great and wonderful promises in Christ Jesus. We we pray right now against every foul, every unclean, every divisive spirit that is in our community. Every spirit of, of division. We come against you in the name of Jesus. And we command you to cease and desist your maneuvering in our community in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you that the spirit of of peace is being sown out there in righteousness. And we praise you for it now. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www. .newdaycc.com Again, that's www.newdaycc.com If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.